0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm Judith Fallon-Reed and welcome to Shelf Life TV, where I have great conversations with Caribbean authors about their lives and books. If you have yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You'll always know when new episodes are available. The video of this episode is available also on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out my website at jfallonreed.com. Also, check out my other podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now it's time to share what's on my shelf. Welcome to Shelf Life. Today we have with us a super talented author. Her name is Melanie Schwab. Her first novel, Do Angels, was a bestseller and it's recently got picked up by a publishing host. Today we're gonna talk about her latest work, Lest We Find Gold. She's very talented in many areas of life. She's also a brilliant landscaper and just a woman who really loves life and loves people and likes to share that love around. So let's enjoy Shelf Life with Melanie Shaw. welcome to Shelf Life. I'm so happy to have you on the program with me. Thank you so much for having me, Judith. Always my pleasure. Boy, it's it's been a while since we've talked. Uh, The last time Dew Angels had just come out and I loved that book too. And you you have since uh, had that book picked up by a publisher and uh, congratulations on that. Thank you, thank but today you. today we're going to talk about your latest work, Lest We Find Gold. But before we get into the book, cause once we get into the book, you know, it's pure excitement. <laughs> I'd like my viewers to learn a little bit about who Melanie Schwab is, because you are a brilliant author, but you're also a landscaper, if I remember correctly. Small garden landscaper, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think
1: it all comes from my need to fix things and make things, make things happy. I think that, um, yeah, I I do small garden landscaping. I also did interiors. But with all that's happening now with this virus, I've not really been doing much of interiors, staying out of people's homes. Mm -hmm. So yes, doing my small garden landscaping, it brings me so much pleasure. I grew up in Montego Bay on my grandparents' farm. When I say grew up on a farm, we'd go there, my whole, all of my cousins will go there for summer holidays. Mm -hmm. And that piece of being in a garden the Dew in the Mornings, hence the title Dew Angels of my Angel. first book, brought me so much peace that I tried to carry that peace with me into my adult life. And I find that gardening, landscaping, brings a lot of that, um, of, that, of those memories of earth and growth and life and progress and beauty. Yes. Um, brings me so much pleasure.
0: And anybody who knows you can can honestly attest to the fact that you do the same for people. You bring a lot of peace and beauty to the lives of everybody who knows you. I'm, I know I can say that, Thank and I'm you. very sure that almost anybody can say that because you grew up just down the road from me. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, yes. That's right.
1: You grew up little. little. Yes. Little yes, and and, and those days and those days in Unity Hall, we spent all of our summers in the gully. You remember that yes, gully? Yes, Hall? I remember that gully. I remember
0: trying yes. to get my brother out of that gully. Yes, yes. Because yes. Those were good the days. days. Those good were the days. But you know, as crazy as it seems, these are the good going to be the good days of our children. Eh? That's right. Because if you think That's about right. it, life. I had to say to somebody the other day, life goes forward. You know, life doesn't mm-hmm. go backward. Mm-hmm. And somebody who was saying we were talking about the fact that the kids can't read. They're not teaching the kids to read analog clocks anymore. And I'm like, that's okay. Why do they need to read analog clocks? You know, Mm -hmm. life goes forward. There's Mm -hmm. digital clocks everywhere. They're walking around with them on their phone. Why do they need to? You're so right. So life moves forward, but life is going to move forward right now because we have to talk about this book. This book, I read it. I inhaled it. And I'm one of those people who inhale books and I love Caribbean books. I would say, 85% 85% of the I books know are that books yes, by Caribbean authors. And I like to buy my books because I feel we have to support our Caribbean authors. Just like the angels, I sat down and I read it. One fell swoop. I just kept reading because the topic of the book is something that I think almost every woman can relate to. It either has happened to them or it has happened to a friend. Mm-hmm. And it deals with domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women who are in situations where they're covering it up because they're, they're in a particular position. Why this topic? Why, why this topic?
1: Because I was struck, Judith, to be very honest with you, by the amount of times I overheard conversations where women were either hurt or murdered by their partners. Mm-hmm. And what struck me? was as horrible as the situations were, were the reactions of people that every time you would hear somebody blaming the woman.
0: Victim. Vic-
1: victim. victim shaming. And whether it was the abuse or the, the loss of life, nobody took the time to try and understand the woman's perspective because half of the time it was why she stay in a relationship. Yeah. If she did, I get beaten. Yes. Or you understand? So I said to him, I started to think about it and see. even with Jew angels, a lot of people were, their questions were the same. Why would the mother have stayed? Remember, remember Nola's mother had stayed and in a very abusive relationship.
0: And, and, and also, also, you had also touched on the brown skin, dark skin in that. Yes, yes. Also a, a, a type of. Of abuse. It's an emotional abuse.
1: Abuse. So, so, so the questions from you angels were they wanted to hear more about the mother's perspective about her life and why she stayed. So even though Lest We Find Gold was a different type of writing and a different topic, it almost was an extension of Do Angels. Neither. Because I wanted to explore why would a woman stay? Why would a woman have put up with abuse? A beautiful woman, educated. Um, Nola's mommy had her, her jam business. She was doing quite well. She had saved up her money. Why stay? In, in, this, in Lest We Find Gold, Millie was the same thing. She was educated, she was a nurse, she was beautiful. She could have gone anywhere, been anything, and she stayed in an abusive relationship. But it went beyond that because I wanted to explore with women, not just in abusive relationships, but even in jobs. Um, in, in friendships, why is it that women put up with so much? So, if you notice in, in, in Lest We Find Gold, it was an exploration of Millie's life from childhood yeah. to try and build the foundation of women and the messages we get from childhood, childhood that yeah. extend into our adulthood and allow us to make choices that maybe might not be the best ones for us.
0: And without giving away the book, you know, what Millie um, lived and learned as a child manifested later on in her own life yes Um, yes and even
1: her mother even her mother's situation i found was so important because the mother herself even though she meant no harm to her daughter yes because she was just trying to live and she thought she was doing good for her daughter she she she, everything she did
0: giving her money and taking care of her child to make sure the child could go to school right
1: right right it was a matter of survival for her Mm In her mind. And she, did, she didn't realize the messages she was giving her own daughter.
0: Yes. You yes. know? Because this, that, that's what I really, I loved the way that you weaved Millie's childhood and the lessons that she learned without even realizing she was learning these lessons from her mother having this man who was somebody else's husband who over all these years, and what that relationship meant uh, for her, Millie, as a child, and what it meant for the mother, and how that later manifested itself. Mm -hmm. But in writing this, I know you said from stories you heard and all of that research that you have done, how did it affect you to write it? Because I'm a writer, I know what it does to you. So the book takes place mainly in Millie's
1: mind, Really and truly, you remember in *Do the Angels, there was a lot of action out of Nola's life. Yes. In this book, most of it is a self-exploration of Millie in her yes, mind. And and, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was a release for me because even though it wasn't the same situation, it was always a matter of a woman discovering who she is and her own power
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: capability of making the choices that were best for her. So the book was a, a big release. I mean, sometimes when I write, I write at my at heightened emotional times. Yes. And during the time I was writing this book, my father was very ill.
0: And I, and I have to say publicly, you know what an amazing man Dr. Ken Ball was. I, for me, he literally he saved my life. This is not figuratively. He literally saved my life, and um, I will always always cherish my memories of him in Montego Bay as a doctor that I would go to and I trusted and loved so much. So it was a, it was a rollercoaster of emotion for me and for me, writing is my
1: release. Mm-hmm. So I, I found that the book, um, was, was very much an emotional release for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, during that time. So, so, so yes, the the, 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 you asked me what, how I felt about writing it, it was release. It was self exploration. It was self discovery. Um, Somebody asked me, "Is there a lot of you in Millie?" And yes, I think every author puts a part of themselves in a character. If you say you don't, then I I think you always have a piece of you in your in your. I
0: think it's I think it's impossible to write without having some experience and your own self um, so deeply into the characters. And in my books. I can identify myself very clearly uh, in my, especially in my novels, in my characters. Yes, um, the yes. Because of characters would be me. You know, in Silent Stones, I would have been the neighbor. I would have been the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I I been the
1: neighbor. Um. But I think there was a piece of me in every part, in Millie, in her mommy, in, in, in her mother-in-law. I think there was a part of me in everybody, in every character in the book. But um, yes, that, yeah, that, was my, that was my release. It brought me a lot of, of release
0: for my pain, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. And I have to ask, because your husband is such a massive supporter of your work. How does he, how does he feel about this book? G- Judith,
1: I'm embarrassed to tell you that he, my husband does not read my books. My <laughs> no, husband I, does not read. He only owes by what he does. hears. <laughs> he's very supportive of my writing very very supportive of the publishing process and the and the um the release and but he he doesn't like to read my writing
0: so he said i think somehow because like i said my, my children don't read my books either they buy them but they don't read them and um i think somehow for me, I think that there's a part of you that too close know to know home. About. Yeah, I think so. There's things I they do so. to know about. They don't want to try and identify you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they don't want that response. Exactly. Exactly. That these things are really going on inside in you. your head. <laughs> so, I think
1: you're so right.
0: But so in some ways there, and my kids are like, like your husband, very, very, very supportive. Yes. But Um, yeah, I think they would prefer not to know They'll watch my films, but they don't read yeah. because they prefer not to know what's going on inside my head.
1: I think so because one eldest one has read *Dew Angels. The other two have not. And I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it is. Right.
0: Yes. So while we're on the topic of Do Angels, let us go back to Do Angels for just a second because if, if my readers and watchers have not um, actually read Do Angels, let's talk about that just for a little bit mm-hmm. because you touch on a topic that is still in 2020. Uh, something that is very relevant, that was relevant, BC, that's now my thing, before COVID. BC for me means before <laughs> COVID, which is the, the fair skin, dark skin issue in Jamaica, and how mm-hmm. people are treated differently, because in Do Angels, the children were treated differently because mm-hmm. of the color of their skin. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's touch on that a little bit, and how that um, made Nola's life, Different and do we? I think we still see some of that happening. Oh yes,
1: oh yes, oh yes. And when I published *You Angels*, it caused a lot of anger in a lot of the book clubs I went to because people were offended that something that has been hidden so long in our society was brought to the forefront. People don't like to admit it and talk about it, but it's very much alive and well in Jamaica. Like the races, very much alive and well in Jamaica. Exactly. Exactly. And it affects, I mean, I told, I think I told you before that Dew Angels was a book that I wrote because a housekeeper said to me that her sister, she had, I think it was five girls and one of them was dark skinned and they called her the black one.
0: Wow. And
1: she lived outside of the home in a different house from them because she was the dark skinned one. No, the helper oh. who is explaining this to me doesn't think that there's anything wrong with it. She's talking to me and calling her sister the black one. Now, what happened is the sister, because she had been, for better use of a word, exiled, mm-hmm. acted very. She had a lot of animosity towards the rest of the family. Yeah. it was a cycle. Mm-hmm. So the more she became angry and the more she acted with animosity, the more they despised her. So it became a cycle. Wow. So, do, do angels? Even though I had seen, even myself, I had seen when when I went to England at five years old. I remember being left standing in the schoolyard on my first day at school because I was a gollywog, the black child, the only black child in the school. That scarred me. Came back home to Jamaica, and then beautiful life with my family. Went to to South Carolina at 17 to attend university, and again, racism. So when I came home after college, my eyes were open to it. Things I had never seen before or noticed. I started to notice in my own country the difference in treatment of people who were darker skinned than light skinned and we can't deny it if you talk to the older generation they will tell you back in the day the darker skinned people were not allowed to work in the bank
0: oh that's not back in the day that is in my day (laughs) that is that is my day when i when we were growing up i mean they weren't allowed on the hotel front desk um there weren't cashiers in the bank a lot of things i mean a lot has changed i'm very Thrilled to say, you know, that we have definitely come a long way. We have some more way to go, but we've come a long way. And I think a lot of the bleaching epidemic is still because we still have a long way to go. Even though we've come a long way, we still have a long way to go. And I think that long way that we have to go also has to do with our language. I I insist on calling it a language, even though I've been corrected a million times by academics that it is a dialect. But to me, pato is a language. It has to do with our language. It has to do with so many things around our Mm -hmm. culture.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very, very important how we look at it and how we see it. And I'm I'm thrilled that you were brave enough (laughs) to actually approach these subjects mm-hmm. and to deal with them in these books. Now you have one other thing I need you to do for me before we even begin to think of ending this thing. I'd like you to read a passage from Lest We Find Gold. Oh sure. So let me get my ahead, glasses. glasses. Eyes. Get the glasses, my dear. You know how it yes. is. <laughs> stage I won't say age, I just say stage. The glasses have to come into being.
1: So this is chapter fifteen, in the middle of Lest We Find Gold. And this is Millie speaking. I've tried to remember the first time Monty hit me. I cannot. I'm not able to put the memories into the proper order to know which was the first time. Maybe it was a euphoria of my new marriage, of walking on the cloud of glory that comes with marrying a man as beautiful as the sunset. He chose me. It clouds my memory. You would think a wife would remember such a detail the first time her husband raised the hand that he'd used to place a ring on her finger and struck her. I remember the shock that brought the tears. I used to cry when he hit me. I remember moments. I remember the details of the moments, the standing one minute, the being flat on the ground the next. There was always confusion for the first few seconds afterwards. There was white light. Sometimes the light was just blue dots that brought the taste of chemicals onto my tongue. Maybe the memory disappeared in that light. I don't know. I only know that my brain would take a while to clear, and then the pain would creep in. The light would clear, and then there was the gold. The pain would creep in. The electric shock in my jaw, the pounding in my thigh the taste of chocolate, the spice of bay rum against my cheek. I remember the sneakers, the work loafers, the shiny dressy lace-ups. I remember how they looked from underneath, marred with the dirt of the world, pebbles in the grid, into my thigh, into my hip. I remember the arrow of Monty's chest, the navel disappearing into the crease of his belly as he bent over me. Millie, you okay? Millie, I'm sorry, I love you so much. Millie, why you have to make me so angry? Millie, don't try, don't cry. Try walk, let me carry you. Millie, another migraine. Millie, you blacked out. I blacked out. I cannot remember the first time my husband hit me. You would think a wife would remember such a thing. I remember the time mommy got punched by the thief. She was angry when I screamed. She left me to cry when we got home. She gargled the blood out. I remember the look on her face. I was a child. I thought she looked unmoved. I know, no, she wasn't. She was expectant. There was no shock on my mother's face when a man took all he wanted from her, then punched her in the face and disappeared. I felt so stupid to have been so angry when all she'd done was made the choice of one pain over another. I felt so stupid to have been ashamed of a knocking headboard as I lay dizzy on my bedroom floor. I felt so stupid when I realized that my mother's only crime was that she'd handpicked her pain with her eyes wide open. I dove blindly into mine because I hadn't heeded the rules. I felt so stupid when I sit on our veranda in the daylight high above the Mona house and see that without the twinkling lights, the clouds clot like curdled milk and the view below is just a grid of scratched roofs and hacked roads.
0: Wow. Ooh, emotions, emotions, emotions. I- I I can think of so many women, so many women who have gone through that and who could be empowered. What what is your ultimate wish for your book? What do you hope that this book will do for the people who read it? I hope that people understand
1: that a woman trapped in in a situation is not just a matter of one day getting up and walking out. I hope people are a little more empathetic and sympathetic and empowering to women and young girls who are trapped in abusive situations. Not everything you see on the outside matches what's happening on the inside. And people need to understand that people struggle People struggle to leave relationships. Um, There are a lot of helplines out there that it's, it's not a matter of picking up the phone and calling. It's for a woman to understand that what she is in is wrong, for her growth to reach a stage where she can empower herself to make that call or ask for help. So I, I, I wish that when women are in situations where they're hurt, people would stop judging. It, it doesn't help the narrative at all to the women who are still trapped in the situation. A lot of it has to do with shame because, there, because there's so much victim shaming. A lot of women don't want to speak up. And, admit. and there's a lot
0: of guilt. There's a lot of guilt. Our society has taught us to feel guilty when things happen to us. Yes. As if there yes. was something that we could have done. Exactly. Different. You know, exactly if we, if we didn't upset him if we never if the dinner wasn't cold if we didn't come in too late you know as women it's and it's a, it's layers it happens
1: yeah. over time yeah. so to 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 to, to, to range yourself from those layers becomes really hard because it's a, it doesn't just happen one minute it's a series of events that wedges people into these situations to get out is not as easy as just getting up and walking. I would, yeah. I would hope that it empowers a woman in the situations to, yeah. to realize that they're not alone, it is never their fault, and that it's a matter of reaching for help when you need it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually had a big argument with a pastor once because he actually, from his pulpit, preached the Sunday morning and it was talking about the way women dress you know, being a factor. That's my pet peeve. (laughs) And he came, when he came off the pulpit and service was over, I went over to him very, very annoyed. And I said to him, what was it about the 93-year-old grandmother who had on her nightdress, who was recently raped? What was it about the way she was dressed when she was in her bed, fast asleep, and the man broke into the house? that made her a target of rape. What was it? it, What is it about the eight-year-old child who doesn't even have, who's not even gone through puberty yet? Exactly. And I said that to him, and he was like, well, 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 you know, I'm not all the cases, not all the cases. And I was just so incensed, and I just ran down a whole list. And I said, you tell me what it was about these things that made this person get raped, what it is that they did. And so I really, um, I get very incensed, very angry, very annoyed and very upset with victim shaming, whether it is women or men, you know, victims are victims. And I, I applaud a book like Lest We Find Gold because it is such a good novel. It is such a good story. It's not just about the abuse. It's a good story, you know, from start to finish. And it's a story of what we will do. To keep that gold when we find that gold. Yes, that's you know? right. And know that the
1: gold is within.
0: Yes. Always within. And to, Yeah. And to get to that place where yeah. we realize that the gold is not the house and the car and all those I things. Think. but The gold is actually within us. Boy, Melanie, as always, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you for stopping by Shelf Life. I look forward to the next book. <laughs>
1: I've yes, yes I've been trying I've been trying my best to write during this COVID lockdown to see if that would give some release but I, I figure after everything is over maybe that's when I'll have the flow of creativity right yeah, now of course it.
0: it's not something you can do yeah, when yeah. it comes it comes yes, yes thank you so much
1: and you did, thank you it. thank you and you keep safe too please well, thanks for having me thank you Melanie you too honey bye
0: well there you have it We've come to the end of another shelf life. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you again next week, same place, same time, to see what else is on the shelf. And in the meantime, remember, check out my website, jfalunweed.com, and share this program with your friends. Walk good. See you next week.